Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Mesthetics is an instrumental rock trio based in Washington, D.C. Comprised of Fugazi's incomparable rhythm section, drummer Brendan Canty and bassist Joe Lally, and a gifted virtuoso guitarist named Anthony Pirag, The Mesthetics is a new band whose spirited self-titled debut album is available via Discord Records. Anthony, Joe, Brendan, and I recently connected for a group chat about this record, this band, their upcoming tour dates and plans, and much more. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and Planet of Sound locations in Ottawa and Toronto, this is the 385th episode of Creative Control, featuring the Mesthetics with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hello, everyone. How are you? Good. Hello. Great. Hey, Beesh. Great. Great. Hi. How's it going? Everything good over there? Where are you, actually? Are you in, you're, in, you're all in D.C., I assume? We're in the practice space down in Adams Morgan in Washington, D.C., where we recorded the record. Nice. That's great. And so I thought uh, it would be nice to get uh, each of you to introduce yourselves uh, to the people listening so that we can identify your voices uh, uh, for future reference uh, in case there's a, you know some kind of legal case or something. I just want to make sure <laughs> everything is done above board. So why don't we begin with uh, Anthony. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you do in, uh, in this band, Mesthetics? Yes, um, I'm Anthony. Um, I play guitar in the Mesthetics. Excellent, excellent. Now, I, I've been enjoying your playing on this record. You are the person I'm the least familiar with in this configuration. Uh, it's amazing, amazing, incredible guitar playing, if I might say. Thank Can you. you talk a little bit about your uh, approach to this instrument? Maybe let's go back. Let's go back a ways. Where, how did you pick up the guitar first when you were a young version of yourself? Oh, um, 
Well, my dad had a guitar under his bed that I pulled out, and I just started playing it. And, yeah, I don't know. I just started playing in bands pretty soon after. And I guess I'm kind of known as a jazz guitarist, but um, I play a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah. Pretty much it. Okay. And so you got yeah, the guitar <laughs> from under your, your dad's bed there, and were there particular... Uh, influences uh, that you had right away? Like, was there anyone, uh, who, any any players that sparked your interest in the instrument? I mean, early on, guitarists like Jimi Hendrix uh, got me excited to play. But then, um, you know, as I started listening, I got into more jazz and improvised and experimental music. So, yeah, I, I like players that mix up a bunch of different styles. Um, Danny Gatton was from this area, and he mixed blues and jazz and country and you know people like that okay all right well as i say the playing's unbelievable we're going to move on uh to the person to are you in the middle of this group right now yes you, you are absolutely <laughs> right how could you tell it's a, i could just tell it just i there's something about the sound of of anthony's voice told me he was right in the middle so why don't we move <laughs> to his left and uh, let's get the person to anthony's left to introduce themselves now that would be joe lally and i'm the bass player in the Mesthetics. Nice to talk to you again, Joe. It's been uh, a long time, I feel like. It has been a while. I can't remember what year we spoke. It's not It's not crucial to know the exact year, Joe. This isn't some kind of interrogation. I just was observing <laughs> that God. I miss you, and I miss your voice. I, I feel like we used to talk all the time. Indeed, and we will see each other again because we're going to come up and play. That's right. You're coming to Guelph. Yes, we're going to get to that. I'm very excited about that. That's And, and maybe you'll come to... Oh, we'll talk about this later. Maybe you'll. Uh, I would follow. I like this band so much that I would follow you around a little bit if it was transportation convenient for me. I think I would do that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Sounds good. It sounded like I was reserving, like I was kind of you know holding back. I I, I would try. I would go to Europe if I had to. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm a f- yes. We'd like to know exactly how far <laughs> you would go to see it. <laughs> how I many tra- miles? I travel a long ways. I think. <laughs> cool. <laughs> now, Joe, similar question. Like you and I, have, uh, you know, we've I've interviewed you many times. We've had many conversations, but I actually don't know. Same question I asked for Anthony. I, I, I actually don't know how you came to pick up uh, the bass as an instrument. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I I didn't start to play bass till I was like nineteen, and a friend from high school, someone that I knew from high school, uh, we had graduated by then. I think it was eighty two or eighty three. And he had come home from school. We were watching Minor Threat play. And we just talked about, uh, you know, we had seen this Minor Threat show. And I don't know why. We just came out of this particular show. And he's like, we have to start a band. And he said, I'm, I'll sing. And so I said, I'll play bass. And at, at the time, I just, I had a job. And so I had some money where I could buy a bass and some equipment and that's where we started. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Huh. And we just started writing songs. That was Peter Kortner, who later sang for Dag Nasty. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so and were you, if I recall, you were into kind of, were you like into metal and stuff? What were you into at that time? Well, I, I lived with uh, Wino, who plays in The Obsessed, has played in The Obsessed all these years. He was in Spirit Caravan and The Hidden Hand, and he was the singer for St. Vitus. But um, that was just, you know, he was a local great guitar player and friend. But I listened to all kinds of music and really 
I spent a lot of time when I was young just listening to R&B and funk and soul. And when I was about 10, those were the first bands I saw, like, you know, the Spinners and the OJs, the Isley Brothers, Jackson 5. Wow. And then I, wow. Then I got into you got to go you know, see those. hard rock. You got to see those bands. That's amazing. Yeah, I was I was pretty young, so it was like 73 or something. Wow, that's remarkable. And uh, did your parents take you or someone? Yeah, I had some next-door neighbors, like uh, my you know, friend my age lived next door, and he had three old, older brothers, and they just were cool enough to like take the younger kids to the shows in the afternoon because they were afternoon shows. Rad. So, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's really great. Wow, okay, cool. Well, that, I, I can, all of the things you just described... I can kind of hear informing your your playing as a basis. Is that fair to say? Is that do you kind of draw sure. from that early uh, those early influences and inspiration in your playing today? Still, definitely. Yeah, it's. I think that always stayed with me, and I think it was right there when I went and finally picked up the bass. I think, uh, you know, whether I knew it or not, that was kind of what was behind my playing. Nice. All right. Well, and it's uh, amazing to hear you playing with uh, the person who is. Uh, beside Anthony, I believe uh, he must be on his right, if I recall correctly. Uh, sir, can, can you lap. introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> this is Brendan Canty. I play drums in the Mesthetics. Nice to have you back on the show, Brendan. Uh, as I was just saying, you know, wondrous to hear you and Joe playing together again. And uh, same question for you, Brendan. Again, we've spoken many times. I don't actually know your origin story. I think of you as a very gifted multi-instrumentalist not simply a and not to disparage i'm a drummer myself so this isn't meant to offend anyone who's a drummer not simply playing the drums you play a few different things is that correct i do yeah i play piano and guitar you know and bass and i when i do my soundtrack stuff i do i play all those things i do a lot of soundtracks for films and that's what i and so i play all that stuff on top of drums right but in this band i'm just playing drums which is awesome so it's actually really been fabulous to be playing drums again full time. I'm having a really nice time. <laughs> so similar question. Thank S- God Joe came question. home. How did you come to the drums? How did it? Well, you know, I just, it's like being, uh, somebody had to do it. You know, it's like being a utility player or something like that. I never, I actually was the least likely person to ever play drums because I never thought I had much rhythm or anything else like that. So, but Early on, my brother talked me into playing drums because he said everybody plays guitar, you, and every band every band needs a drummer. So he kind of talked me into taking it uh, taking it up. Uh, my my father, my mother used to rent my my father was a musician, but that's not what he did for a living. He was sort of like wished he could have been a musician for a living. So my mother used to rent us rent him instruments. Like we'd show for his birthdays, you know, he'd show we'd show up and there'd be a full drum set in the dining room for a month. And then the next time there'd be like a full set of vibes. So there was always some there was always cool. Yeah, it's a good it's a good gift. It's a gift idea. She's a good partner. I actually did it for my son recently. I rented him a a cello. Unfortunately, he hasn't returned it. But um, (laughs) that's just who he is. Um, But. The, uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, so just like getting to hear drums in a house, and realizing that it was something you could do and make a shit ton of mo- uh, of, of noise on, I almost said money. That was funny. <laughs> that was the opposite of money noise. <laughs> 
wonder if a noise is the opposite of money. <laughs> anyway, so then I just started playing with people, you know, when I was like 14, 13 and 14 years old, I got a, we had a drummer in our band. I was singing for a band um, called Youth Courtesy Patrol. And then uh, it was, <laughs> and then I bought, then our drummer got a new set of drums, uh, Kenny Murray, and then I bought his drums off of him for $25. And then I started playing his drums which were really shitty and had, um, you know, I had to hang the cymbals off the rafters and I didn't have any cymbal stands. So I'd hang the cymbals off the rafters and the ceilings and I'd whack them and then he'd, they'd come back to hit me in the head. <laughs> but um, then, uh, and then my dad bought me a drum set uh, for 250 bucks. He bought me a 1964 Gretsch kit that I still have to this day. Wow. And I've been playing, been playing ever since. So I was just basically like just started playing with people because, you know, all my friends were getting into punk bands and we, you know, and I and I just I just really took to it. I really love I love playing drums. Well, you're yeah, it's a it's amazing to hear you play again. Uh, full time. You say you mentioned, you know, it's nice to play full time in the drums. I, I know that uh, at least my understanding is that in Fugazi you would come up with uh, guitar parts and, and other musical parts uh so you're saying that in this particular band you're simply focused on the drums is that unusual for you in other bands have you contributed uh, across the board in terms of uh instrumental ideas well in in death fix i was singing and playing guitar that's mostly what i was referring oh, I see. to oh right okay so, that's the most recent yeah, band you were in yeah that was in 2013 right. yeah so i was kind of edging kind of feeling like i really wanted to play drums again after that because I hated having to sing in a band. I thought it was really brutal. <laughs> but um, you hated singing. Why? Why? Why hate singing? Well, you know, it's just not. I'm not much of a singer. I like writing, but I don't like getting up in front of people and pretending right, to sing. Right. It was distracting him from playing the guitar. It distracted me from playing <laughs> the guitar, and the guitar is distracting me from playing drums. So I'm back to playing drums. <laughs> well, we can't rule out that Brendan isn't going to add to the music because he even if he's a drummer he always has he has great ideas so yeah so does that worry. that's what i was getting at so are you compositionally adding uh you know ideas to anything that anthony or, uh, or joe are playing in this band or are you like no i'm playing the drums that's it no i saw i brought in a, a little something something recently <laughs> Brennan does. bringing, in, bringing does. in some things but joe these guys have a lot of ideas you know like there's big buckets of ideas in this room we actually have like almost too many ideas almost too many ideas i don't know what that means <laughs> you've got an errant cello in the house maybe you can incorporate that into the band yeah um i can't i'm not allowed to take it out of his room but yeah i'll i'll see i'll no anyways but yeah we're we we the process is you know there's um you know most up to this point you know anthony comes in with really complicated ideas and tries to you know make us jump through hoops <laughs> mm. and then play faster play more <laughs> difficult and more faster and then uh yeah i want to ask i want to ask anthony i mean thanks for that by the way thanks for introducing yourselves and um oh sure uh, anthony i want to i want to go back to you here uh, okay. because at least in the uh, promotional material for the for this record, there's a suggestion that you kind of sparked the notion of, of getting this group together. Is that the case? And if so, uh, uh, or if so, or if not, like how did this band actually come together from your perspective? 
Well, Joe, you had just moved back, right? When we yeah. first met. Um, well, Joe moved back to town, and um, I had met Brendan at a show, and they were going to get together and play some of Joe's music. And Brendan, you asked me to come and play with you guys, right? And we did a yeah. trio rehearsal, and it went well. Um, <laughs> but we didn't meet again after that for a f- couple of months. I don't remember. Okay, well, then I'll just go with this story. <laughs> just make um, it up. <laughs> and so, I, I don't know, I just had some ideas I wanted to um, play, and I thought it would be cool if we got together again because it was really fun and it felt good. So I just asked them if they were interested in working on some of the ideas that I had, and they said yes. So just took it from there. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Anthony, and, and gets, Joe and Anthony gets this, like, twinkle in his eyes when he, like, <laughs> he's like, well... Maybe we could try this, and then he says something really complicated, <laughs> and then we try it, and then it, and then we get used to it, and then he comes up with another thing and another thing, and it, and it just builds and builds and builds. He's a font, tons of ideas. Right, uh, Anthony, were you uh, had you seen Fugazi? Were you familiar with the the dynamic between Joe and Brendan? Uh, at I, least live, or I never saw them live, but um, I I knew, you know. I, I mean, just right. getting together with them in the room, I mean, and hearing it, and it sounds, it sounded and sounds incredible. I mean, you guys are so tight together. It really just gives me a complete freedom when I'm playing with you. I feel just so comfortable to do whatever I want. And yeah, I mean, I feel really lucky to be playing with them. Now, Anthony, why? It sounds like uh, Brendan resents how complicated your uh, music is. Why is it so complicated? <laughs> I don't know. It's just how I operate. Um, and I, I don't know. Since we rehearse every week or just about every week, I know that we can work on things that I'm not that good at. So I try to, you know, challenge myself. And I don't know. I guess the trick with this band was to try to make the compli- the complicated stuff sound, I don't know, try to hide it or make it, make it a little bit more accessible. And uh, if something's in an odd meter, try to not make it sound like that, but have it be more of a high energy thing. I don't, I don't really know. Well, Joe, Joe, you're used to playing things in sort of odd meters, somewhat complicated structures. Do you also feel like Anthony needs to calm down a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think Brennan's just being dramatic, <laughs> as, as he is wont to do. Um, I think that, I, yeah, that, I mean, I think Anthony explained it pretty well, I think, because he gives, Anthony gives lessons. Am I allowed to tell everyone that? Yes. He's fine. not available to sign up for, so just stop it right now. Mm-mm. Don't call in. <laughs> don't, don't ask him for lessons, because he has enough students. But beca- I think because he does that, I think he's, he reaches that point of uh, what haven't I done, which turns out to be everything because he's teaching everything. So, you know, he's challenging himself with different things. And then jumping through the hoops, you know, there's a truth to that. And what we do is Brennan and I lower the hoop closer to the ground and we make it larger and larger. So it's very easy to just step right through it. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's uh, it's very modest of you, you, you two to say that. I think I think anyone would be. I mean, I'm I marvel at the audacity of a guitar player that thinks I'm going to get Fugazi's rhythm section to play with me. But it sounds like you know you're all. It's working very well, uh, Joe. I mean, I'm, I referenced the fact that you and I had spoken a bunch uh, for a period there. You were putting out records 
at a steady clip, and then it seems to have stopped. This this gathering that Anthony references was that towards a, a new music of yours that we might see at some point, or did it turn into a aesthetics uh, song? Well, I think it might it might end up turning into you know being used with aesthetics because I really had kind of. I think I was not so happy with my lyrics, you know. I think three albums of lyrics was about <laughs> enough for me. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I, I was repeating myself. I, I was just way too, and still am, too critical of myself to get, you know, a song of lyrics out of me that I'm happy with. So before I had moved back from Italy, I was always working on music, but I was not playing out live the last three years I lived there, really. And I just started putting together music that was instrumental in my mind. And I got people to either come by my apartment and add something, or um, some people sent me drum tracks, or I was able to record them in a venue down the street that, you know, during the early in the day, we could just go into and record loud guitar. So I just didn't know what that music was. I still don't really understand it, and we're just starting to, to mess with that. When we got together, it was really an excuse to play something, you know, and then I was singing my stuff and everything just sounded so different with them playing. Really, it changed my singing, you know, to have to be able to sort of keep up with it or push over it, and and that, which is all fine, and maybe it would be nice or something, but it's, it really made me question, like, why, why are we doing my solo music, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just opened up into what it became, you know? And it's great. Well, for what it's worth, first of all, I mean, I, I thought your solo records were great, and and I appreciated. I always appreciated your your, your songwriting, your lyrics. But uh, Brendan, so Joe is saying he didn't feel like writing songs really uh, lyrically. You were saying you didn't feel like singing songs uh, in in your band, Death Fix. So we are in this very outspoken time. People are saying lots of things. People are talking about lots of things. It's a it's a good time for people with things to say. Uh, to speak out, what is the challenge for you at this point in in bringing that this sort of zeitgeist feeling into an instrumental band, or do you view it as a challenge? I mean, I know the the first song is called Mythomania, which sort of speaks to this age of of lying. But but Brendan, can you speak to that? This notion of having an instrumental band during a a particularly outspoken time. I mean, I don't. I'm not really putting it in context of the times, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't think it's like. I think it's a challenge for us to to make instrumental music and to present it purely instrumental music to the public, I think is a different thing for us. I don't think it's in any direct response to anything else except for the fact that it's the best, most, we have, we, we sort of stumbled upon a, 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 a way to function and a way to create that makes us all really, really happy. And it set out sets out like a, a pretty far-reaching set of potential problems and musical possibilities that excite us and and so and the dialogue happens really quickly with the three of us so that it's not necessarily rooted in in proper songwriting and we're because there's just three of us and there's no singer and and it can be improvisational that it can be um, fluid and so basically what I think we're all sort of desperate for is to maintain those levels of direct communication and 
and quickness of creativity. And so that's that's basically where we're at with it right now. It doesn't necessarily have an agenda beyond the fact of being a machine that we're that we're working on. Joe, you you in in the bands that you have been in, there has been a certain expectation that uh, you, you guys are you or or Fugazi are are standing for something or are saying something within your work. Um, do you want to follow up on what Brendan was saying about that, and and maybe my question about you know trying to convey uh, maybe shape or maybe for some reason like I mean Fugazi has amazing instrumentals. Like I, I should say that first of all, some of my favorite instrumentals are by. Uh, your band there, but uh, it, was that does that give you pause at all? Like this notion of of playing instrumental music in a time where everyone wants to hear from people like you? <laughs> well, I, I have to say that you know, having written lyrics, saying you know, saying what you want to say. I mean, it, it is hard to express yourself and to express yourself in a song that you can keep singing from now and you know until your death, and hmm. it is. You know, you don't, what you write, you don't want it to be locked into a specific period of time because during that time, this and this was going on and, and this needed to be said. And then, you know, five years later, it's like extremely outdated sounding. So right. the way one writes lyrics, you know, can't be too locked into the moment, you know, to begin with. Just the difficulty of expressing oneself. I mean, language, you know, it's, there's just a lot to deal with. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And what it is you're saying... So I, I am listening, I might as well just say that I am listening a lot to Sleaford Mods, and they have a lot of lyrics, <laughs> and they say <laughs> a lot of things, and they say a lot of things really well, and then they say a lot of things that probably piss a lot of people off, and people probably then negate a lot of the political things they say because then they sound sexist or something, I don't know. But I just find that there's just something going on that is well expressed. And it's and that is just not it's not an easy thing to do. And I really feel like I'm not gonna do it if I'm not really good at it. Now, the other thing I would like to put in is that you always bring something, even if you're writing lyrics, I think what is conveyed in a song is brought from everything you're doing all the time, everything you are reading and thinking and the things you believe in most deeply should somehow come across when you play. Laugh at me if you like. 
but I just really think that that's what a musician is. And it's not just stated word for word. Otherwise, you know, the songs would be the things that you and all your friends are talking about anyway all the time because you're pissed off about the way things are. So who wants to hear all of that exactly in a song? But, um, you know, I get a lot out of instrumental music that I like, which is to say, you know, mostly all of the types of jazz that are out there that I listen to because it's not certainly one type of music under one umbrella, but it's, I think it's very expressive music. And so the goal being to express yourself, I think that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, that's very well put. And I appreciate the, uh, the distinction there because in some ways instrumental music is about the most timeless music you can make. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's interesting to me in my, uh, you know, perpetual quest to derive meaning from this Mesthetics record, <laughs> perhaps to a fault. I do want to ask about the... I want to ask Anthony about this cover. Uh, there's a cover on the record, Once Upon a Time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the background of that song and why uh, it, it appears here and why you chose to uh, do a rendition of it? Well, I believe that that was the last song on the last record that Sonny Schrock did i just thought always thought it was a beautiful song um it was just an idea i just wanted to try it and it became this thing where we're playing in seven I don't know. It, it just seemed like a good idea. I'm a huge Sonny Chirac fan. I kind of wanted to... Um, I mean, I was talking to Joe about that record, and you love it too, right? I love that record, yeah. and I have to say that probably part of the reason we ended up playing it is just... I mean, I think I just started to play, try to play it one day, and I couldn't... I didn't know how to play that song at all, but I just know that album so well that to suddenly like turn to the person you're practicing with and they had actually learned and played the entire thing live. <laughs> well, that was my first gig as a band leader. I covered that entire record. And um, so, yeah. So it was just, it was just exciting of, to talk about it. Exactly. It was really, really fun to just be able to go like, oh my God, we can just play that song. And then we were playing it, you know. out of a conversation about the song basically pretty much I think so I think I probably tried to play it first which I couldn't really I mean I had the wrong notes <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out <laughs> uh, no it's it's a brilliant song and uh, it's a brilliant rendition of the song uh, was there Brendan did you did you, were you familiar with the song no I wasn't that's something that they had bonded on and then I, I was you know we were just messing around because it was so like 
couldn't figure out a way to play it in sevens that made it not sound incredibly repetitive, you know, and annoyingly uh, stilted. And that's when I turned the my beat into the circular Tony Allen, you know, eight beat. And then right. tried to put something circular underneath it so that they could so that it would flow over top. And and we just all, you know, it's like one of those early experiments that actually it bore fruit pretty quickly. We all really liked the way it sounded. It was hard to do. <laughs> and it, but it becomes something really hypnotic and, and beautiful over top of it. And Anthony was able had some a lot of really great ideas for it and approached it with. Uh, both reverence, but also like uh, he was inspired by it, you know, to take it up yeah. a notch. Well, I, I, I do want to point out to people that I know I've uh, we've been talking about. Um, I tried to turn the conversation into a bummer there uh, a few moments ago by saying how heavy <laughs> everything was uh, in in what our about time. The, but about I do want to say lyrics and stuff or what are you talking about? Well, I just mean, I was like, guys, what are you trying to say here? It's terrible oh, yeah. outside. Have you been outside? What is going on with you guys? That's what oh, I tried yeah. to do. And it was, uh, it's it was, a, I mean, it it's in- all, they're all valid questions. I mean, putting, I understand the, the question about having instrumental music in, in these days, but there's a, there's a, there is a lot, there's a lot of inner dialogue that people are having, you know, and I think, you know, having instrumental music out there, allows people to have moments and bring people together into rooms together and have people share part of themselves with you because they insert their own imagery over top of your music, you know? And also it's, you know, even the best, best songs are never really explicitly didactic, you know? So I think allowing the best lyrics allow for people's interpretations. And I, and I think that's exactly what instrumental music does. It allows for people to, to use the music and 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 own it, I think. Yeah, and I, what I was going to say is, I was going to go in a one eighty and suggest that what I hear in the record is is a lot of joy and fun between your interplay. Is that fair to say? Are you guys having a particularly great amount of fun together? We are, <laughs> yes, we are, and I think I think that's why a lot of you know, even though different age people will come see us and the different shows we've played in different venues, people enjoy. I can't I I always am shocked that everyone seems to enjoy it so much but I maybe because we seem to be enjoying ourselves people like that I don't know but it's but yeah maybe it's because we're having a good time and there's a lot there's there's a high level of communication that's going on in stage or at least an attempt for us to like lock into each other you know I mean it's always yeah. a little crazy and frenetic and and not always completely successful but there's like but the, the there's there's an attempt to actually create uh, uh, and to support each other on stage, even as things get, you know, even as things become more and more improvised. Yeah, I want to I want to go home in on um, Joe and Brennan for just a moment, because uh, for those who don't know, Fugazi went on uh, indefinite hiatus in 2002. Uh, and you two are, in my estimation, and I think a lot of people's estimation, you know, Hall of Fame rhythm section how significant is it for you joe to to be playing with brendan again after uh, i assume a considerable amount of time of not doing so yeah we you know i we figured out when we played our first show last may that i we hadn't played together for almost the same amount of time that we had played together in fugazi so it was almost exactly 15 years of 
we never played a live show together. Hmm. Brendan was busy with just doing soundtrack stuff and raising a family, and then I moved away. So it was kind of amazing um, to have waited so long. So it, it was, it couldn't be better. I mean, you know, I, I, had, I played with a lot of different people playing my solo music, and uh, it was just so easy to come um, to play with Brendan again. It was amazing. Brendan, same question, I, I suppose. Yeah, for me, it was like, you know, I've been playing with different people here and there, but it's, uh, but Joe is, you know, there's just, I think there there was a lot of muscle memory still there when we started playing fast and, and louder and doing some of these things, the more difficult things. And it was, you know, there was a, it really clicked back into sh- shape really quickly, which was interesting mm-hmm. for me because I didn't know, I really was nervous about it. Um, in terms of just having not played at that velocity in a long time, you know, um, yeah. that it was uh, that. But but, you know, I think there is um, Joe allows me to, you know, he, he, he puts a I like I liken it to him building a really strong foundation, a really strong jungle gym for me to play on. You know, like like I yeah, can yeah. fuck around way more if if he's like rock solid, if you know, um, and Joe, you know, Joe's really he really is uh, right on time. So, you know, I don't know how to say it more than that. It's just like it, it immediately was really fun because it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> you know, there mm-hmm. all this there was all this like intrinsic memory that you you don't even you don't even allow yourself to remember because if it's lost to the ages you kind of don't want to remember it because it's painful and then when it comes back you're just incredibly happy that it's back in your lives and you're like you know now I'm just like trying to do it as much as possible hmm. it sounds like I'm well, talking about jerking off but I'm not <laughs> I'm talking about playing with Joe wow no one thought that no one no was, one, no that one wasn't in went anybody's there. that was amazing no. that was a good <laughs> ending good. to that <laughs> It's not a happy ending, if I might say. I don't know why that happened. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> Joe, you alluded to the fact, I think, that it had been around. It's been roughly around fifteen years since you and Brandon might have played a show together. But I'm curious: have you actually ever gotten together just to play? I'd heard from some people uh, stories that, where possible, uh, you and Brandon and Ian and Gee, if if the occasion called for it, might get together and and jam every once in a while. Is that is that true? Well, I, you know, we're in litigation, and I can't talk about that on the radio. <laughs> but <laughs> It's not the radio. It's a podcast. You're free and clear. Yeah. You know, when we're all in D.C., we totally hang out together and talk and spend a lot of time laughing. We have a great time together, go out to dinner, and we'll play some music together. And But that, you know, that is not playing a live show where you have prepared a bunch of music that you're going to play live. So... Brennan and I not doing that for almost 15 years, you know, was it was very different to have come up with a set of music, which is also, you know, pretty hard charging at times. Um, to do that again is it's it's very different, and it's awesome to be able to do it again. So, we're very happy with that. And uh, the other stuff I said about Fugazi was just that it is there's so much to try to look after to allow Fugazi to do anything that we just, we do not have the time to give it the respect that it deserves. So unfortunately 
it is where it is. Do yeah. do yeah. what you can with it. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I, I just want to wrap this up by asking uh, Anthony about uh, the future of the aesthetics. I, I think uh, Brendan alluded to the fact that he, he brought, quote, a little something-something to the proceedings recently, and I just wonder what's uh, in the future for the band at this point. Um, well, we have some um, tour dates coming up. We're going to be traveling throughout the year. Um, we're working on new material. Um, we plan on playing for a, a while, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know. Everything's looking good. We'll be in Guelph in right. July. Right. Very we'll excited be... about that. You're playing the Hillside Festival. Yeah. We'll be in really Guelph in July. And we'll July be in... 15th-ish. And we'll be in Montreal in April? May. May. May 18th or so. May I think May 18th we're playing up at the St. Saint... Santa Claus Teresa, no Santa Santa Teresa Fest Festival in Montreal. How do you pronounce playing it? Playing the Santa Santa Claus Parade is that what you said? Santa Claus. We're going to be playing the Santa Claus Parade in May if anybody shows up. Uh, and we're playing. You know, we're just playing around down south, uh, beginning of April, up north towards Chicago, beginning of May, going to Japan May twenty fourth, coming back, um, and then doing some stuff in July, and then we're kind of taking a break till. Uh, uh, till later in the year, till like November, December, or something like that, and then we'll be back on and doing a lot of stuff in the over the winter and spring. So full on though, this seems like a full on thing. We're trying. Yeah, we're gonna try to make. We're gonna definitely try to get it out as much as possible. You know, it's a really, it's it's we can fit in a minivan as a band, and it makes it <laughs> really really easy. A three piece in a minivan, and we can play basically anywhere and. Uh, you know, people seem to be people want us to come out, so uh, we're we're going to play until people tell us not to come out. Well, excellent! I, I'm very excited about this record and this band. And uh, for more information about it, people can go to Discord.com. Right? Is that the best place to go? Sure, I think so. We're on through Facebook. There's a Mesthetics page, and you can reach out to us and uh, and like that Mesthetics page, and we'll post all the gigs on there. Discord will be. Yeah, Discord will definitely be posting and sending out emails if you sign up for those emails. Um, okay. And I think we have the URL, themesthetics.com or themesthetics.band.com, and we'll get that live at some point if we can figure it out. <laughs> All right, good luck with that. Uh, and is there a single song that we can go out on for people to hear in its entirety? Is there something, uh, I don't know who to ask here feel like Brendan's preoccupied by other things based on what he said a second ago. Maybe we should ask Anthony. Um, how about Serpent Tongue? Serpent Tongue. This is the second song on the record. Why did uh, this come to mind? I really like it. I don't know. I'm proud of the the take we got. I think it pretty much sums it up, what, um, we're, trying, right. what we're trying to do. Okay. This is Serpent Tongue by the Mesthetics from their uh, self-titled record, uh, Brendan, Anthony, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Best of luck in the future. Thank Thanks, you. Fish. Thanks, Fish. Take care.
Special thanks again to the Mesthetics, Brendan, Joe, and Anthony, for being on this, the 385th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on audioboom.com. If you can't find an episode or you want to learn more about me or sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. That's V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at vishcreative, with a K, or at vishkana, that's me. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world on CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, thanks to everyone who's made a flexible monthly donation to our Patreon page. It means a lot, and we could always use more pledges and donations to uh, sustain this show. It would be very helpful if you could do this. Go to patreon.com slash Control. And please make a pledge, and in return, I will send you both my gratitude and potentially even a gift. Just send me a message, and we'll work something out. I'm happy to send you something. I have stuff. I have lots of things that I'd be happy. I, I can send you one of the things is the plan. Patreon.com slash creative control. I'd like to once again thank the uh, people who help support this show with uh, in-kind and, and other kinds of sponsorships. Uh, those would be plan- uh, Pizza Trocadero. The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, where I live. Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, where I go sometimes. I haven't been in a while. I should go. I like donuts. And also, Planet of Sound in Toronto and Ottawa for sponsoring this show. Uh, they, may, they You can go there and you can get uh, amazing high-end stereo equipment and, and records and all sorts of stuff. And, and they're cool. Planet of Sound uh, just came on uh, to help with the show lately, and I, I appreciate it very much. So, yeah, check out their locations in Toronto and Ottawa. Uh, thanks to you listening right now for doing that for listening to this show and if you can review and rate it positively on whatever your podcast platform is and also really if you can download episodes of the show that helps a lot and just continue to spread the word about it i'm doing my best here uh, uh, from guelph and if you can do that that would be awesome that's all i have to say i will talk to you very very soon and uh, yeah check out that aesthetics record check out good music if you have ideas let me know maybe i'll uh, check it out too that's just the way this works all right goodbye for now powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs> 